In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Welcome to a very special episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we're talking to Josh Sharp and Aaron Jackson, stars and writers of Dick's the Musical. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And in Dick's the Musical... Two self-obsessed businessmen discover their long-lost identical twins and come together to plot the reunion of their eccentric divorced parents. It's like the parent trap on crack. It is. It is the parent <laughs> trap on crack and meth and every other <laughs> methamphetamine <laughs> drug you can, you can conjure up. Oh, dear. Dick's The Musical is directed by Larry Charles, who brought us Borat and Bruno and Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Or he's worked on those. Quite the pedigree. The screenplay, as we said, is by Josh Sharp and Aaron Jackson, starring Aaron Jackson, Josh Sharp, Megan The Stallion, Nathan Lane, Megan Mullally and Bowen Yang. Dick's The Musical Listener is A24's first musical feature, and it's adapted from Josh Sharp and Aaron Jackson's long-running off-off-Broadway production, Fucking Identical Twins. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Aaron and Josh are the stars, writers, and executive producers of the film, and they met and began performing and writing together at New York's famed Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre. Together, they've appeared as a correspondent duo on The Opposition with Jordan Klepper for Comedy Central, and they have several additional features in development, including Meet the Coven. 
Josh also starred in Netflix The Eliza Schlesinger Sketch Show, and Aaron's debut novel, The Astonishing Life of August March, was published by HarperCollins. Busy little bees, aren't they? They are. They've been around the traps. Dick's the Musical is a riotously funny and depraved musical. A parent trap carbon copy it is not. (laughs) It's a queer adult comedy that will shock and delight with a mix of big show tune numbers and insane character revelations. To say the least. Now, the film is directed by comedy legend Larry Charles that we mentioned earlier, who has brought us such iconic comedies as Borat. I can remember, I can still remember (laughs) the first time I saw that movie in cinemas. It just blew me away, what what I was taking in. My wife. My wife. Nice. (laughs) Uh, And he's also directed numerous Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes. He was also one of the original writers and producers of Seinfeld. So, Tim, you had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Aaron and Josh about Dick's The Musical and the comedy duo share the validation they got from Sandra Oh and the Daniels' reactions to the film, how it's perverse in a a good way (laughs) and how... So very brave they were to play straight men as gay men. (laughs) Bow down. Yeah. You also took a deep dive into who the fuck the sewer boys are. Yes. Crazy. Indeed. And how they hoodwinked icons Nathan Lane and Megan Mullally to be involved in this crazy, crazy endeavour. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lee, what do you reckon? Let's take a listen. The only thing I have from the dad I never knew is half of a locket. We must be brothers. Not just brothers, Trevor. Twins. Wow, we're twins. We're fucking identical twins. Okay, Josh and Aaron, what the fuck? Your movie is insane. <laughs> and I absolutely I absolutely loved it. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It is insane. It is insane. I agree. <laughs> And now I promise to go a little deeper for the rest of the chat, just to learn a bit more about the film and the process. But what have some of your favorite sort of audience or maybe peer reactions to your film been so far? It was just so fun watching it in theaters. Like, like I'll never forget. We were premiered at Toronto at midnight. And so it, in like a theater of 3000. And so it was like wild to see it in front of a crowd. And that be the first time that not only was it a massive crowd, but like a crowd that at midnight, like, you know, like little pre-show bumpers come up. There was one that's like, you know, please don't pirate the film. And they all have inside jokes where they're like going like, you're at it. And I was like, okay, this is our people. And so they were like screaming at the screen for an hour and a half. That was so fun. That's exactly what you want. Yeah, that, that, that's just the, and then there was a, I, we were doing Q and A's like the first couple of weeks it opened in the States. And so, you know, you're, you don't sit for the whole screening, but you kind of pop in at the end. And I remember at the end, one of those, just people actually legitimately screaming, like screaming. <laughs> and that was just so cool to <laughs> be like, wow, I'm making something I made is making someone scream. <laughs> There's also no way to say this without it being name droppy, but I remember the LA premiere, we were sitting and then down the aisle, we were like, oh my God, that's Sandra Oh, who, who I'm obsessed with and I love. She's friends with Boaz, so she came. Yeah, so I remember at one point we were like, both out of the corner of her eye being like, don't look now, but Sandra Oh is literally slapping her knees. And she was fully doing like a a cartoon character slapping her thighs. And I was like, we've won, we've won. Sandra's slapping her thighs. That's comedy (laughs) validation, a thigh slap. That's it. Bam. And from Sandra Oh, how special. You you know, I think think your film will do really well in Australia because we are also a little fucked up when it comes to the things that we find funny. Yes. Good. But was there anything in your script that you were like, is this too far? 
I mean, the whole thing existed. <laughs> yeah, I think once we committed, it's like you have to go that far. Otherwise, it feels a little goofy. Just, otherwise, it becomes like a family film, The Parent Trap. But yeah. now it's a musical and it just sort of is perverse in a bad way <laughs> instead of perverse, I hope, in a good way as it is now. Um, so I, I think it's kind of like once you're in, you're in. You can't really like make this more watered down. Our director, Larry Charles, was always very big on that. There was stuff that from the script he read that he was like, it has to go bigger, it has to go crazier. So like he was mm -hmm. very big on like this film can't doubt itself for even a second or the audience is going to sniff it out. So like he was instrumental, I think, in recognizing like if you're going to do it, you got to do it. Yeah. So I I'm curious to understand like when he signed on for the project, how did that guide you through sort of adapting your off off Broadway show, fucking identical twins, because that was just a 30 minute two man piece. Give me an insight into like that sort of journey along the way. Like that's quite the, the feat to go from something like that into a 90 minute, movie yeah so like the truth is we'd been doing that show so long ago that a producer Corey adelson who we love saw it in la she actually helped us pitch it to fox so then fox paid us to write it as a feature script fox read it and was like well we'll never make this and we were like totally yeah. so like by the time larry came on board there was actually a script but he was instrumental in taking that feature script and sort of like shaping it into this version of the movie mm. But luckily, some of that bridge had been built. And I think he was the one who was very much like, no, it needs to be. He actually brought it down. He was like, it needs to be like a runaway train. It needs to be just about the family. It needs to go balls to the wall. And it needs to be like, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, balls to the wall. It certainly was. <laughs> and now, in the creative process, the idea of killing your darlings, like, how do you deal? Ooh. Oh, what just happened? Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> you killed your darlings. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I bumped something, but that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. was very appropriate. It's beautiful. Killing Your Darlings stream has come down from the sky. <laughs> yeah. My God. Um, yeah, so how do you deal with Killing Your Darlings? Like, I'm sure there were ideas or thoughts in, in the sort of original version of the script that, like, does that hurt to move on from that? Or does someone like Larry coming in going, no, guys, trust it. This is what needs to happen. I would say the the in the writing process, killing the darlings was pretty easy. There and other because you could still just sort of fight for things. Mm. There was one like setup joke that we wanted to do where they were like, "This will take eight hours to shoot," and that was sort of like, "Okay, fine," you know, like that's. But most of the kill your darlings came in post when it's like we're trying to make it clippier. So it's just cutting jokes, which there's so many jokes in the movie, but some <laughs> you're like, oh, please don't. But they're all stupid. They don't matter, but you love them. So those yeah. are the hard ones. And th those are some, not that I still miss them, but there's some where it's like, oh, I wish we had kept that little thing or that one was back. But um, I think we got it to a place where I'm <laughs> happy with. You kind of make your film twice, don't you? you? You make it, well, three times you write it and then you film it and then you have to edit it. So yeah, there's like absolutely. three versions of your movie that exist really in your head. Totally. And then luckily this movie has like like a thousand jokes. So I think at the end of the day, there's like some we miss, but I'm like, I don't think anyone notices that there's 996 no, no. instead, you know. I, wa I want to talk about A24's involvement, this being their first sort of musical feature. You only need to say A24 and everyone pays attention, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it's so fucking cool, guys. But I'm curious, were they aware of the background gag, everyone everywhere comes at once? Or... They loved it, actually, didn't they? <laughs> they loved that one, yeah. I thought you were about to say that, yeah, yeah. No, no, they didn't know about it. That one we did, we did this like two days of additional photography, and that was one of them. And that was a joke we came up with with Larry. Um, so I don't think they knew until they saw that 
cut because it was that was all that was put in in post too so the, even when they see the dailies they're not seeing that joke but yeah they really liked it <laughs> that's good i mean only one of the most celebrated films ever big right, Oscar yeah. winner be like hey <laughs> i got a report from a friend in la who saw it at like the grove and said i happened to be sitting three people down from one of the Daniels. And I said, oh, did right. he like the joke? And he was like, he laughed out loud at the joke. So yes. I can't even say which Daniel it was, but one of the Daniels liked it. We don't know which Daniel. I don't want to know. The Daniel Sandra O. Fuck guys. Where, where are the streamers now? Where are the streamers now? The Daniel, at least. I can't say it was both, but it was the Daniel. Yeah. Singular. And maybe hated the movie, but liked that joke. We yeah, don't know. <laughs> I hope he hated the movie, but he liked the joke about him. <laughs> yeah this has been a name droppy interview oh yuck yeah let's go let's keep going it's all good this is a forgiving audience yeah. yeah tell me a little bit about your characters in dicks the musical craig and trevor who who are they craig and trevor are alpha male self-obsessed business or salesmen um kind of cock of the walk types <laughs> who are actually Honestly, they're they're quite lonely, and they they yearn for friendship and and even family as well, and they um they find that in each other. The film lets you know second two, um, we are gay actors bravely portraying straight men, <laughs> yes. and I would say our portrayal we often call it sort of um straight guy drag, like in the same way that a drag yeah. queen is being a woman, but not really trying to do it accurately. It's pretty um big and broad and cartoony. We're sort of similarly doing that with the idea of the straight man. So I would say there's a lot of bravado and um. They're talking about their cocks almost constantly, you know? <laughs> Is it fun playing heterosexuals as homosexuals? Well, I did it for 18 years, Tim. Come on, I'm method. <laughs> I'll have a few more on you for that one. Mine was about 21. <laughs> Good for you. Mine was 19. You know, it was so fun. But I mean, we love playing like just big, bold characters like that. In the stage show, Josh played the dad and I played the mom as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so we just love big characters i mean that comes from our you know sketch and comedy background um we like exaggerated people we kind of call them human cartoons <laughs> so oh 100 but it just it works within the sort of genre of musical theater though right it just gives you permission to just just fucking go for it balls to the wall like you mentioned yes yeah exactly exactly yeah this is of course a very broad comedy and i you know i love some of those like zoolander and austin powers that were like big and broad but i think um in addition, we're doing a musical, like suspension of disbelief is required of the audience almost immediately. So it does give you like a big runway to, to blow things out if you want to. Now, what, one of the things I found really funny, and it comes from life experience, right? Because your your film like doesn't hold back and it can uh, come across as quite insulting, but I mean, it depends what uh, your comedy <laughs> set of sentiments is, which is why I think it'll work in Australia. As, as I said in the film, single parent families aren't real families. And, and I, I got kicked because I'm from a single parent family as well. So I was like, fuck, that's gold. Because I grew up little Timmy. So like, oh, I've only got a dad. But what are Craig and Trevor hoping will come of their reunited parents? Like what's, what's their pipe dream of bringing them together? We've said that I think they are just like guys who have everything. So the one thing they don't have, they want. And I actually think if the movie continued, they would just move on to something else. It's like insatiability. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, and that's why I like so much of the movie and the stage show was just like, as soon as you do the parent trap, but they're grown men instead of little girls, it's not cute at all. It's disgusting. <laughs> and so it was like, well, let's make the parents disgusting too. Because the truth is even the parent trap, they're like, 
monsters to do this to their children. Well, the parents are, yeah. In, the, in that movie, the parents are abused. That is abusive. They they lie to someone that, about a sibling existing. It's it's psycho. So um, we just wanted to play with that, but also make them, get, they're very lovely in the movie, but we're like, well, what if they're also self-obsessed? Clearly they're self-obsessed. They abandoned a child for no reason. Yes. And so to that point, it's like for these like, you know, big bombastic straight guys, they're like, we have to get our parents back together. And when the dad is gay and the mom has no pussy, it's like, well, this is never going to happen. But they're like, it's going to happen because I want it to happen. You know, so it was more built on just like, you know, bastardizing this thing, but also just like making it the most exaggerated, crazy obstacle of a goal that they could ever have And, and have it feel like to them, it's like the only thing they don't have in their otherwise amazing lives. Yeah, a perfect family. Yeah. Yeah, a quote unquote perfect family. They're looking because they're looking for something that will be, you know, viewed from the outside as like, oh, now they have a perfect family. But they realized in the process of wanting this very superficial thing, they actually do want a family and that their imperfect family is in fact a perfect family. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is that tonal balance with comedy. It's all great comedies can can be hilarious, but they also have to have heart. So how yeah. how did you ensure that you had that sort of universality, but then also just fucked with people at the same time? Our our heart mostly comes from the songs, the music we think, like, because mm. we're quite allergic to a lot of heart. And I think a lot of comedies, it's like, I get it. I get that we're supposed to like the main character. I get <laughs> it. You know, and I get quite, I get quite bored. Um, so I think we were very lucky that it being a musical, even though the lyrics are very silly and very absurd or offensive or whatever they are, like music, it does in fact, like move the caveman part of the human, you know, like you are, when violins swell, you you have to feel something. And so you get really into the characters, I think, through them. And you can't, like when you're singing, it is so like naked. It's so, it's so mm. earnest. Like even a rock star, it's, it's like they are, you, you are like being very earnest when you're singing a song. Um, so I think that's what like lets people in. I think the, the music does really help with that. hundred percent. And I don't know what I was expecting because like when I was first introduced to your film with the trailer and all the rest, I was like, what on earth is this? I have to see this immediately. But, and, and the whole musical element and I love, musical theater and and movie musicals but I, I wasn't expecting to like tap in my foot and like humming the songs on the way out like you guys fucking nailed this so many so many bangers thank you thank you i mean i was just gonna give props to carl st lucy our composer yes. and the maris de fries the music producer like i i think they understood what we always knew which was like for this thing to work because it's so gonzo and so stupid it's like the a lot of comedy musicals want to sell the music out. It's like the music has to be really good because when you ground this stupidity with like great songs, then it, I think it like sells the joke better. But then also to Aaron's point, it's like you do milk weird sentimentality out of it. I mean, there's that song in the middle that Nathan and Megan sing called Lonely that's just like a full, beautiful ballad that has a couple of jokes. But it's like, and we would have friends be like, I can't believe you like made me cry in the middle of Dick's the musical. <laughs> and I was like, I know, but also isn't that sort of a joke too, that this yeah. movie could get you to feel that, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we give a lot of credit to this like wonderful music team we got to work with who like really nailed it on the songs that a lot of them are much better than they should be. <laughs> and therein lies some of the surprise with this movie too. It's like, wow, okay. 
this is really, really good. Like everywhere you look, <laughs> uh, I, I do want to talk about your supporting cast uh, just quickly, just on Nathan Lane and Megan Mullally. We've, we've kind of talked about the characters a bit, but did you, did you tell them the whole honest truth of what they were getting into? Like, I, I'm thinking, did you accidentally on purpose remove pages of the script to try and get them <laughs> on board? Like how, how did you get them? It's awesome. Read the script and saw the show and Megan definitely, I think, got it and wanted to do it. We've told this before, but Nathan has said in press where he's like, I read the script. It was the funniest thing I'd ever read. I didn't know I should be the one to do it. But, you know, <laughs> we got a dinner and we all got along. And I think he was so down once, I mean, like once I think he tr and loved Larry, like once he knew what the vision was from the people involved, he was like down to go there as is clear from the movie. But no, we didn't have to hoodwink anyone. Good. There you go. I mean, look, they just went for it, right? Which is, which is what your movie is doing. And I just, you know, Megan Mullally, she can sing. It was just so oh great to, to see so her belt good. that stuff out and just say the wackiest shit in, yeah. in sort of in conjunction with it. Okay, I, I need I need I just need a bit of insight in this quickly. What dark depths of <laughs> depravity do you need to find yourselves in to conjure up something like the sewer boys? See, we think they're beautiful. I don't know what this question has. They are cute as well. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's like I guess I, I guess we're both so strange. It's like the Super Boys isn't like that hard of me to think. <laughs> it's, it's a very like A to B thought to me. It's like oh, little monsters that live in this. It's logical. It's logical. <laughs> it's, it's like um, yeah. I think I think we're just both. Um, maybe we're just depraved. So um, our minds are just a little bit, a little left to center. Um, <laughs> and we do stuff. love some of those 80s, 90s movies like Gremlins and mm -hmm. E.T. Yeah. And like, so I think we always had that in our mind that they should just be these like sort of awful, but wonderful puppets. Well, thank you for not doing them as CGI because it's so, uh, it's so much funnier that imagine? they were puppets as well. They just looked way better. Way I better. Know, I agree. I agree. Can you buy the toy version for Christmas or you gotta t please send a 24 an email the amount of people that has asked me about a plush toy and I say talk to a 24 that's their job but they <laughs> they have a tickle me Elmo on their hands if they would just get into it I a do. cabbage patch doll <laughs> this is gonna be the hit toy of Christmas look you know what bring bring home that bacon but you, yeah you gotta plush those bad boys out for sure don't you think for sure <laughs> I've got to wrap up in a couple of minutes but I just want to sort of talk more about the Sewer Boys. When, when, um, happily, happily, that's how I'm choosing to like wrap up this conversation because it's just <laughs> obvious to me. Uh, Nathan Lane having like the feeding moment, spitting the ham. <laughs> Was that written? <laughs> it's yeah. written, but not like, I mean, it, you know, you write it and you hope it'll be good, but it, it definitely turned out better than we hoped. And then, I mean, he did, he really just. They just rolled that camera and it was so late. That was, we did it twice and it was both, both times at midnight or after midnight. Mm. It was just sort of like, oh my God, the lunacy, you know, you're, <laughs> you're just like, your brain is so fried on a film set. And then you're like, oh, Nathan, uh, can we get one more shot where you spit amp? I particularly like the sort of bloopers at the, at the end mm -hmm. where you kind of seeing behind the curtain of what that was like for him. It and was it's so Great. funny i was there because i was in that scene so it's just like that that was truly like i cannot believe i'm here i can't believe i'm watching this happen that lives rent rent free in your mind that whole thing truly, no doubt. truly 
we had um a, a hairstylist who, if you can believe it, was gay. And he watched <laughs> that scene being filmed and came up to Aaron after and was like, girl, that was some John Waters shit right there. People are going to lose their minds. And we truly were like, okay. It was a moment where yeah. we went, we're making the right movie. I feel like we're doing the right things. <laughs> yeah, we did it. And another piece of validation coming with a, a John Waters comparison. That's awesome. Yes, oh my God. In, in wrapping up, uh, Josh and Aaron, it's been real. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I'm so excited for... Australian audiences to see this movie very soon, a potentially impossible ask, but can you each describe Dix the musical in three words? A family film. <laughs> oh, you made a good joke. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. No, no, I should have done that. Um, Oscar winning feature. <laughs> Gentlemen, that's it. That's it. You've got the the two uh, marketing ploys. You've got your Oscar campaign. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Lovely talking to you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, you too. You too. Who likes a fucking hand job and I only play to win? Oh, God. I am still laughing to myself about the moment when I asked them about killing your darlings and digital confetti started falling on my <laughs> Zoom screen, <laughs> and the reaction that was elicited of that, uh, it turns out I triggered the effect because I talk so much with my hands, right? And I was doing the the italics marks, the quote marks, and so it, the two P signs that you put up, it actually triggers confetti. <laughs> um, uh, rest assured, I have now turned off that feature. So that doesn't happen in any future interviews. I hope that shows up on the video. Maybe you can uh, put that on our socials. I think that'd be funny to see. I definitely will. Just like the bewilderment of everyone and just having a good laugh about it. <laughs> so it goes without saying that Aaron and Josh have written a very unique film that will have you slapping your thighs like Sandra O, oh, our dear listener. They are larger than life in the film and they clearly brought the same energy to their chat with you, Tim. All right. I had the best time. It has to be one of my favorite interviews that I've done. Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed this special interview episode of Popcorn Podcast with the writers and stars of Dicks the Musical, Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp. And if you want to see this insane film yourself, Dicks the Musical is in Australian cinemas from December 7 and we recommend that you do go and see it. If you dare. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.